Hi, we're the Rices. We've been married for 12 years. We have six kids from the ages of nine to zero, and we're full of passion to raise a household that serves and honors the Lord. And we want to encourage others to do the same. Welcome to the Raising Rices podcast. Today we kind of have a special episode where we'd like to kind of enter into the arena of the Santa debate. While everyone seems to debate about Santa and whether to celebrate or do Santa or not, but today on our episode what we actually want to talk about is some foundational groundwork that like really should be discussed kind of picture the guardrails on both celebrating and not celebrating Santa. Remember, we talk often here about applying a biblical worldview, applying discernment. And so I think this episode is really going to be an example of us just talking through what our process is and what we're thinking about. What are these guardrails as we approach a cultural norm. Yeah. So we can apply this, whether it's Santa Claus or it's some other cultural norm, but this is just us having this conversation in front of you and with you so that you guys can hopefully take away some thoughts from it. Normally we talk about our convictions, character, and challenges, but we want to kind of deviate from that today and just have this be a good conversation that hopefully inspires some thoughts on your end too. And like Darren said, as always, we're going to be teaching out of a place of our biblical worldview. And we want you guys to know that this is never coming from like a condemning spirit in which we speak, but rather a heart of love and um, sharing our own spiritual progressive sanctification, right? Right. It's all a process and we understand that everybody's on a different point in their sanctification process and we understand that everybody is going to have different convictions along the way and so we just hope that this inspires some of those conversations for you guys so we have nine guardrails and we're just i like the word guardrail because well actually i took my kids bowling not too long ago (laughs) and thankfully the wonderful bowling alley had little bumpers that the guardrails. The guardrails. And it just made it so much more successful. And we just hope that these guardrails are just kind of talking points for you guys to feel like you can, whatever decision you make, you can be moving towards the right path. Yeah, that you are mindful of the ditches that are on both sides of a pathway that hopefully leads to your children's salvation and a fruitful life serving the Lord. God willing. All right, so the first one might come as a shocker because if you follow us on our Instagrams or you've heard about us here on so uh, sorry on podcasts, you might uh, be a little surprised about this first one. But hear us out after we say it. We believe you must teach your kids who Santa is. This is imperative. We. <laughs> I think it's a tendency maybe if you decide not to do Santa Claus to try to ignore Santa Claus. And let's just be honest. I don't know if that is possible in today's world, in today's Western culture to ignore Santa. So instead 
we tend to take a more head-on approach with our kids to teach our kids who Santa Claus is. Right? Because they're going to see images. They're going to hear songs. They're going to observe conversations or have conversations with others during this Christmas season. And while I would personally love that all that we see and all that we hear and all that we observe would be at the birth of our Lord and Savior, I am not naive <laughs> to the reality that we live in a fallen world, right? And the attention is divided, actually, during this you know, holiday, any seasonal holiday, any yeah. um, even religious holiday, there's compromises that the world brings in. So we're kind of faced with this reality that we need to talk about Santa. So now here's the question, to what degree and how? Right. So are we going to talk about who the culture celebrates as Santa or what the basis of Santa Claus is? And that's what we've decided is to address the historical Saint Nicholas. Who is a real person. A real man. And so if you don't know a lot about the historical Saint Nicholas, here's some things to know. He was a 4th century Greek Christian bishop of Myra, now the region of Turkey. And he was known for his generous gifts to the poor. He was believed to live, or been born around AD 280, and he created by token of his life lived the legend of Santa Claus as he gave dowries to three poor sisters to save them from prostitution. And so this is an example of teaching your kids about Santa Claus, but teaching them of the historic origins of Santa Claus and the good qualities, the good character traits that the real St. Nicholas had. Super generous man, cared about, you know, people, right? From children to other people groups. There's lots of stories out there. We have a book from... Um, Voice of the Martyrs. Voice of the Martyrs, thank yeah. you, that we really like and we read it to our kids because what we want is for when they see these images, and they're not going to necessarily see them in our house, but when we're out and about or, you know, conversations, like I said, or songs, that we want them to associate that with what they know about this saint that stood for the faith. And and that, and that lived a generous life. Yes. Now, the, the downfall is, is that we've taken the idea of St. Nicholas's generosity. <laughs> I know, right? And we've f turned the focus on ourselves. Yes. And we've said, Santa Claus is generous to me. Right. And that is not what we want to remember. We want to our kids to remember and to teach our kids that this is an opportunity to celebrate a man who was generous to others. And so definitely during the Christmas season and all of our lives, but let's take the opportunity to turn the focus off of give me, give me, give me to how can I serve? How can I be generous with my things? You know, um, I think, you know, if I'm bold enough to say perhaps the original St. Nicholas would have rather us have a generous heart than a greedy one. Absolutely. <clears throat> okay, guardrail number two. We're just going to move through these kind of quick because we've got nine. And they're not in really any order. <laughs> not really any order. This one's number two. Probably should be number one. Probably. <laughs> but here it is. 
there's a lot of things to do in this season, but we believe it is imperative that we do not lose focus on the reason for this season of celebration. You know, as that coined phrase, the reason for the season is kind of just catchy. It's so true. So true. And so what we need to do as parents, especially since this is a parenting podcast, is that we need to figure out what our best yes is. And it needs to have eternal focus because that is what is most important. Kind of reminds me of our podcast where we were talking about school and what's the most important thing. Yes. This is a similar idea here. Make sure that our focus is on an eternal perspective. Right. That is the way, the direction that we should be training and teaching and discipling our children in. And, you know, I mean, you got to know, right, that this season is crazy busy. Right. There is so many fun, good, even wholesome things to be doing. Oh, yeah. Right. Like my daughter and I were just talking like, oh, you could go see a live, live nativity. You could make cookies for a neighbor. You could bring a poinsettia to a nursing home. You could sing Christmas carols. You know, like we we're just listing them. And pretty soon we got like 30 plus things on our list. There's only like 22 days till Christmas or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and those all are great. But what is your best? Yes. Right. Right. Think of that. What is eternal and what is most important? Okay. Guardrail number three. If you've been listening so far and you're kind of um, cringing or having a difficult time listening, uh, this one I think is really important because it's something that I think we've been convicted about and uh, a lot of people that hold similar and different views to us also uh, hold. And that is that Christian liberty is a thing. Yeah. And so we understand fully and want to be sure that we're clear in saying that whether or not your family celebrates Santa Claus or participates in Santa activities or takes a picture with Santa Claus at the Christmas light show is not a salvation issue, right? It is not something that we should be creating division over. Mm -hmm. But I also think that it's important in that, in knowing that there's Christian liberty here. With that being the foundation. With that being the foundation, we should be comfortable just having a conversation about the pros and cons and the discernment and the biblical worldview and the various perspectives of people who hold different opinions. I can't tell you how many times that we have had just good conversation with other brothers and sisters in Christ and have either changed our perspective because of the gentleness and love of that conversation, or we've gone home, which is the correct thing to read the Bible, pray about it, and then decide, wait, no, I still feel like we're in alignment. Regardless of the information you're getting, I'm trying to say, right. you take that back to the word. You should be doing this with your pastors. Yep. You should be doing this with elders. You should be doing this with your bosom friends. Right. Take it back to the word of the Lord. And that is where your courage, where your peace, and where your security is going to be found in your convictions. Absolutely. So... Hear that from us, that we hope that you do that with this, that as we have this discussion, you take that back to your spouse, to the word, and that you bring that ultimately before the Lord and are submissive to his authority. Yes. Not to our authority, not to any person's authority, but to God's authority. Before you go to guardrail number four, there is a lot of memes or 
uh, posts out on social media that says, you know, don't let somebody's opinion or somebody's post be your convictor. Well, the truth is there's only one convictor, and that is the Holy Spirit. Right. But if you are reading something, if you are hearing something, and there is a twinge, there is a feeling, there is a, huh, I haven't thought about that before, do not disregard that. Go back to the Word. Right. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I, we've had this conversation with a few people recently even where we, we've talked about like, oh, but is it okay to say a conviction like you're not trying to offend somebody, but you're saying what your conviction is and it turns out it's offensive, but maybe that offense is the Holy Spirit prompting their heart and convicting them. Like God uses his word to convict us and he uses the wise words of brothers and sisters in Christ to also convict us through his spirit, which yes. is what you're saying. So yeah. very important to Always be a humble, I think, before the Lord. Mm -hmm. Both sharing and hearing. Absolutely. Well, we want to interrupt this podcast today to let you know that it is brought to you by Heritage Home Family Farm, a Christian family seeking to bring a legacy of flavors to your table. This family is passionate about building the family culture and making homemade with ease. They have a series of spices, loose leaf teas, and baking mixes available to make delicious, clean, and easy homemade food at your table and in your kitchen a possibility in today's busy world. Find out more at heritagehomefamilyfarm.com. Okay, guardrail number four. We're going to move on here. This one is probably like one of our more major concerns with the idea of the modern celebration of Santa Claus. And that is that Santa is given attributes that are attributes that belong to the Lord God alone. Alone. And I would say this is like our biggest red flag. If we were to have a conversation with someone, we would just urge them to consider how they are approaching Santa. So if you're listening and your your family enjoys doing Santa, I would just say, okay, in a loving sister in Christ, I'm just going to present these three things specifically that we want to talk about and make sure that your children know that those three specific attributes are only for God and God alone and that Santa does not possess them. Yeah, so think about these statements common in our culture today. Santa he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake, right? All of a sudden, Santa is given this quality of omnipresence. He's everywhere. He sees you all across the world, no matter where you are. And yeah, and that is something that is so precious that the Lord God has. Yes. That he knows you and he sees you and he knows your inner thoughts. You know, not even the devil can do that. Right. And so what a powerful thing that we need to make sure we're not confusing our kids with the Lord God being all present. Okay. How about Santa? He knows if you've been bad or good. Okay. All of a sudden now Santa is omniscient. He's all knowing. Right. He knows your thoughts. Yeah. But only, like I said uh, a moment ago, only God Right. Knows your thoughts and how special and beautiful that is. Sorry, jump the gun because <laughs> these are so precious. I mean, they kind of blend they together. Do. They do. But, you know, distinct characters, character traits of God, distinct character qualities of God. Okay. And then the last one 
isn't part of a cutesy song, but all of a sudden, on Christmas Eve, Santa Claus is magically everywhere, all across the world in one night. Or tell him what you want, and it magically appears, makes him omniscient. Yeah. Or or at least the appearance of omniscience. He appears all-powerful, that he can make reindeer fly and Mm -hmm. traverse the world in a night and squeeze down every chimney (laughs) and even down the (laughs) non-existent chimneys. You you know, even our fireplace is only an (laughs) eight-inch, you know, chimney pipe out there. So it is is a caution that we should reserve God character qualities for the Lord. Yeah. It's important. And I think, like I said, this is our red flag that just... Because I feel like it has a trickle effect on our other guardrails that we're mentioning. So we'll get into those and you'll kind of see that trickle effect. Yeah. Number five comes right behind it, like close on its heels, I think. And that is that it's really important to us that we are uh, honest and true about the world to our children. And, you know, that comes back even to what we were mentioning earlier about our conviction that we address what we see in the world up front and we address it head on with a biblical worldview, it is also that we are truthful to our kids. And so, you know, the line between pretending and lying, I think is more distinct than you would want to make it out to be. I think people think they want to blend them together, but maybe you can talk about that a little bit, the difference between pretending and lying. Yeah, I think about this in like two ways. Like, you know, we talk about age appropriate things. Like there's some devastation in the world that we don't just like lay out for our kids, but oh, we yeah. but we're not going to lie to them about it either. We're right. going to tell them kind of what's going on in a way that they can handle it at that maturity. And then the other kind of field is that, you know, when I talk to friends or I've heard people comment about specifically Santa, that they don't consider it lying. They like to compare it to pretending. Um, And they would use the analogy or the comparison that, well, when they, you know, sit down to do pretend food, they don't say to their kid, oh, make sure you know that this is pretend food and, you know, and then act it out. And, you know, I'm a big fan of acting things out. I like one of my favorite memories for the kids is we were reading the little house on the prairie book and like I look out the window and they're just acting it out. They're using their imagination. Same with cooking, right? It is fun to play with my kids when they're young. Because the truth is playing or, you know, acting or imagination is a way to learn, right? Um so I guess then that begs the question, what are you learning and what are you growing in? Or another way is, um, you know, like, um, are we playing a game? Is this a game of Santa? And do the kids understand that this is a game? Um, I don't know. Did I say that right? I mean, that's kind of a tricky thing because they're kind of like trying to justify telling your kid a falsehood. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you said it really well when you're <laughs> questioning what what is being learned or what's the, the purpose of, like, if you're playing pretend food, then you're learning creativity and you're developing skills of homemaking or, or caring for your family. And there's a lot of things that are, are adult actions that you're emulating. Or if you're doing, like... Real. 
Yeah. Like real things. Right. <laughs> or if you're doing Little House on the Prairie, you know, you're you're reenacting history or you're you're learning skills that are, you know, maybe start to be lost in today's age. But I don't think any of those things are applicable to saying you're pretending about Santa Claus. Well, I think the worry is that uh, when you start down a trek of lying or of pretend in this way mm-hmm. or lying, depending on what team you're on, that you have to continue until you have to confess. Right. Until you have to tell your child, I was just pretending this whole time or I was lying to you the whole time right you know and so I think that another I know I keep bringing up stories but I really had a lot of conversations about this issue of Santa especially with people that are just having kids and they are just trying to navigate what to do and where to go but um, I've also had conversations with people about to tell their kids that Santa isn't real and they have said comments like they just keep asking me questions and then I have to come up with the next line, you know, or I have to convince them that it's real. And that's a lot of effort to be putting in to teaching your kids something that we talked about earlier. There's so many best I and mean, what's your best yes, you know, like right. there's so many things. Would you rather be trying to <clears throat> teach this is a biblical podcast, right? Like so right. would you be rather teaching them about Jesus and answering all their questions in that way? Or spending time, you know, people say it's magical. People say it's fun. And in all honesty, Darren and I didn't grow up with it. So we don't feel like we missed out. And we don't, we have tons of beautiful memories. So I think that, you know, don't worry. If you're on the fence, don't worry that they're not going to have a beautiful Christmas. They're still going to have a beautiful Christmas. I think it makes me think back to talking about, is it distracting? Right. Like you said, if your kids are coming up with a bunch of questions about Santa Claus. I think that's one of our guardrails. And no questions about Jesus. Is that, am I jumping ahead? <laughs> that's <laughs> all, okay. <laughs> all, all the questions about Santa and no questions about Jesus. What would you rather spend your time answering? Answering. Yeah, totally. Okay, but number six, and you've mentioned this too, lots of testimonies of people where growing up, they were taught Jesus and Santa Claus. Like simultaneously. Simultaneous together. And then all of a sudden, well-meaning parents are like, well, Santa's not real, but Jesus is. And then it, it creates some little faith crisis where they wonder, are both not real? And I think that's just a situation that we want to avoid even the possibility of being in. Right. And so if you are, this is the guardrail, remember, for people choosing whether to do Santa or not. Um, if you're not doing Santa, then focus on Jesus, right? right? Like focus, focus, focus. If you are doing Santa, make sure that you have an acute awareness of what is going on mm. in the hearts of your children because attachment is a real thing. And if they are attaching to Santa at the same time they're attaching to Jesus in a childlike faith, not, right. a, you know, maybe. Mature adult yeah, faith. Yeah. Then there can be doubt created or confusion created and it's just something to be aware of. It reminds me of the podcast we did a few, maybe a month ago now about education. Yeah. And how in those early years, you're they're, they're not in a, a reasoning stage right. and they're not in a debating stage yet. They are in a 
absorbing what is true stage. You're like a sponge. And But somehow we get it kind of twisted around in our mind and we think, oh, it's okay to do Santa Claus when they're young. We'll teach them that it's not real when they're older. But then during their like truth sponge stage, mm-hmm. they've been kind of confused that something that's not true might be true. Yeah. Okay, number seven, we're almost to the end here, teaching a biblical worldview. It's interesting that sometimes it seems like celebrating Santa is this byproduct of celebrating Christmas. Meaning, like, they would say, well, I never taught my kids Santa, just like I never taught them about fairies or about imagination. It just happened. Right. All of a sudden, the culture that we live in is... is happening to us right and that might be true that you didn't do santa for them but that doesn't mean that no one else did so whether it's school or friends or just walking through the mall we have that that's where it goes back to point number one like we're proactively teaching our kids where the tradition of saint nicholas comes from so that we beat the culture to the punch of teaching our kids an unbiblical worldview of who Santa Claus is and what the tradition of him is and what what his characteristics are. And can I just say, too, in this section, the teaching a biblical worldview, if your kids happen to be taught by someone else and you didn't get a chance to, like, streamline that or or be the one that is the teacher, the main teacher – um, what another word they call it, the lead learner. If that is the case, um, I've heard some people try to use logic with their kids. So they will in turn ask their young kid, well, what do you think? Like, do you think it's possible for Santa to be everywhere at once? Do you think he can fit down our chimney? And while it's good to have those kind of like conversations coming back to, they're a sponge right now. So you get to be the teacher and teach them. You could say, while some people enjoy pretending that he's real, it's just not, we are not able to. There is, you know, do those things or, you know, I'm getting caught off guard, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, guardrail number eight. This really speaks a little bit more to our just parenting strategy and philosophy, right? We believe that we are ambassadors of Christ to our children and that we're to train them up in what is right and good and and discipline them in a loving way. And the our, our caution, our guardrail, is that in a celebration of Santa Claus, it is easy to slip into bribing good behavior out of our kids with the threats of, you know, Santa Claus is going to bring you coal in your stocking instead of something good. Right. And it... It just, it negates our responsibility as parents. We, we abdicate our responsibility. We blame shift to Santa Claus mm-hmm. and we end up losing ground for a whole month or a month and a half where our regular biblical parenting strategies go out the window and we can get sucked into this. Isn't Elf on a Shelf a deal too? I don't know a lot about that. I think he like watches you and tells Santa or something. Uh, yeah, I see, I'm not sure. But I'm not familiar as much with that one. <clears throat> but any of these ideas that use the coming Christmas to bribe your children into good seasonal behavior while you load them up with sugar <laughs> is, is not a good 
parenting tactic and is not consistent with our month to month, week to week uh, parenting philosophies. And so I, I think it's good to not throw your regular discipline and your regular instruction and your regular teaching of truth out the window. Yeah, and you know, it might sound funny, like, oh, you better be good. Santa's not going to bring you gifts. But (laughs) what are we teaching and what are we training up our children in when we say that? We are putting Santa on the same pedestal of our parenting and allowing him to be the reward giver and the consequence giver, which should be our parenting role. Also, on this, I want to note that there will be people that it has happened to our family. There will be people that say, you know, oh, what did Santa bring you for Christmas? Or were you good? And, you know, or have you been good so that Santa will bring you things for Christmas? We need to equip our kids with what to say in love, you know? Like, they can smile and nod and not even have to engage because, you know, that is fine. Because they're four. They're four, right? <laughs> yeah. Or they can say, oh, mommy and daddy get us gifts. Or, oh, our family likes to make homemade gifts or whatever. Just give them a diffuser. Because those questions come and then they look like deer in the headlights because they're like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> right. So true. Okay, number nine, we need to consider the needs of others. This is a tricky one. And it has several, like scaffoldings within it right yeah yeah several several things to consider one we don't seek in any of our conversations and any of our convictions to uh badger around the world with them you know and so we i would never teach our kids to run out and ruin santa claus for every kid in the neighborhood or every kid in the church but I do think it is an opportunity for our kids to be equipped to say what they do celebrate Yeah, in Christmas. Yeah, and that is a way to, like, you know, shift the conversation, right? Like, if it's going about Santa, then they have hopefully are given the skills to be able to talk about what they like to do, you know, and what traditions that they have at their family. Um we do, honestly, though, we do not tell our kids to lie. So if someone asks our kid, do you believe in Santa, they're going to tell them no. But we are right. trying our best not to tell them to be like, oh, you need to be like the anti-Santa police and go tell everyone that he's not real. No, we're not doing that. But if you are choosing to do Santa, remember guardrails. We're trying to talk about both. I know we're kind of one-sided because of our personal conviction. But if you are choosing to do Santa, your kids are going to hear, most likely from someone else, hopefully not our kids, that Santa is not real. And you have to decide at that point how you're going to handle that. You know, like, are you going to continue to do the pretend fun and then they're going to now have this debate when they have another question you know that arises are they going to go to the people that told them that Santa wasn't real or are they going to go to their parent with you know maybe they're going to tell them the fun answer I don't know you know what I'm saying like you're you're kind of setting yourself on up on a trajectory for either honest communication or for them to seek other ways of wisdom yeah, and I think it comes back to, you know, what we're spending our time doing. Again, I we it's really important to us that we spend our time equipping our kids to defend Christ. Right. To defend what their faith is, not be 
working on coming up with answers to defend the reality of Santa Claus. Yeah. Okay, second consideration and guardrail um, when it comes to considering the needs of others is um, if you do Santa, then you... I should encourage you, I think, um, to consider your gifts that are from Santa. A couple of things. One, Santa, because he is not real, every parent has the opportunity to decide what price value each present is going to be. And some Santas bring them a Dollar Tree item and some Santas bring them, you know, the latest... seven or whatever it is. Yeah. And so... Just, you know, caution when considering others and others' needs that this could be a conversation that your kids are going to have. Oh, you know, Santa brought me this new Apple Watch. Oh, well, Santa brought me a coloring book, you know? Like, we could, we are called to consider the needs of others. And so how you choose to go about that, it's just a guardrail for you to think about. And then um, also... I had a conversation with a friend um, to consider the needs of others. I don't know. I'm throwing it in here. But um, they felt like it was important for their kids to know that mom and dad were the ones giving them the gifts so that the mom was talking to me. So that the kids were considering their dad and the work that he does and the money that he brings in for their family and that they could see the outpouring of his love by being the provider of the family for the family versus um, some other, you know, magical guy getting the credit. You know what I mean? I hope I said that right. Yeah. So all in all, hopefully these are just good guardrails and discussions for you to consider As you enter this Christmas season, and if this Christmas season is already kicked off and and those convictions are kind of stirring around in your heart and you apply a few of them this year, and then you look forward and make a plan prayerfully, and maybe that plan even includes changes for what you do next year. Yeah, if you are considering changing, like if you have already gone down this track, right, of Santa... I would just encourage you, as I do here on this podcast and another podcast I do with a friend, just to humbly come before your children and apologize. Yeah, it's huge. I know it's so weird, right? You're the parent, but come before them with humility and share how you came to this conclusion, whether it's because of your Bible reading, whether it's because of prayer, whether it's because, you know, something that was in a conversation with a biblical brother or sister in Christ, share what changed so that your kids understand your heart. They can see it modeled, what it looks like for progressive sanctification. And so they will rally with you on your team. Yeah, we talked about this when we were talking about discernment a few weeks ago. Yeah. About walking through that process with your kids when you're making a discernment type of decision. And I think this really falls into that category. So if you're switching gears and you're going on a different track, you know, we encourage you to be really upfront with your kids. Like you said, humbly apologize, show them how you made your decision, pray together over that decision. I think it goes a long ways in ultimately building a a trust 
yeah. between you and your kids where your kids will then even more so see that they can trust you and seek out your wisdom as they grow to make discernment decisions for themselves. Yeah. It's never too late. Don't fall into that trap, right? Never too late. Okay. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We love talking and conversating about what God is doing in our lives, and we hope that it's an encouragement to you. As always, give us a like or follow, or if you feel so bold, a comment or review. Apparently, these things help get your podcast out to more people that hopefully it would encourage them as well. So if you would like to do that for us, that would be awesome. Follow us at Raising Rices or at... Lead your family. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.